What's up, everybody? And on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we dive into the OBJ and Aaron Rodgers monster contracts that they received. We also talk about just contracts in general concerning the NFL and comparisons to other sports. And then the idea of possibly integrating some sort of minor league affiliate to the NFL to help try to kind of keep, you know, keep players relevant instead of using a practice squad. We also talked about LeBron James and his legacy and his life moving to LA, or I should say LA Ron, um, discussing his, uh, his tactics as far as life after basketball and the success of athletes who managed to make their monies last versus those who don't have any money at all after their careers are over. So make sure to tune in to this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. Uh, welcome. I'm here with my man Al. My man Earl is out on assignment yet again, hoping he's getting the scoop. <laughs> Possibly what's going on with uh, Zach Smith and uh, Tom Herman from the coach of the Texas Longhorns throwing, throwing it up and making it rain in the strip clubs in Miami back in 2000-something, you know, trying to keep the lowdown of what's going on at Ohio State. But, you know, I'm sure he's – I'm sure he might be making a drizzle himself, <laughs> trying to get down to the to the nitty gritty. <laughs> but anywho, we're not here to talk about him making it rain somewhere or making a drizzle. <laughs> so what's good, man? How you been? Man, I'm 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 tired, but all all things considered, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, same. Same. Been a long week. This long weekend is uh, it's well deserved. Definitely. Seems like it's been a, forever since we had a, a three day weekend holiday at least that's true but be that as it may man what's up with your boy obj signing a very 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 rich wide receiver contract and then on top of that you had your boy aaron Rodgers sign a very 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 rich contract for a qb setting the bar for what qbs will be getting paid Interesting uh, contract weeks. Uh, interesting week for contracts, I should say, for both teams. So, what do you think? Um, in a nutshell, uh, the OBJ. First off, we need to give credit where credit is due. Um, Earl definitely called this one uh, a couple of weeks back, a couple of podcasts back. He sure did. Um, saying that they was going to get a, the extension signed before the actual start of the season. So, kudos there to Smooth for doing that because um, he was right on the money. Um, being as though he is a, a Giants fan, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that was the – he had the, a little bit of the inside there. But nevertheless, there's still a great signing. Sets the bar for um, all the other wide receivers out there. My concern is is that I wonder how it's go, is it going to be starting to trend um, every year of, like, who is going to be the, high, the hottest free agent out there? Um, how big are these contracts going to be going down the road? You know, um, I'm just curious how this is going to trickle down going forward as far as the other wide receivers out there who will be free agents in the upcoming seasons. Um, Well-deserved, I don't know about all that, but he is definitely one of the most talented receivers out there, and the Giants definitely paid him like they wanted to keep him and make sure he stayed with the franchise. So I have no problems with that. Um, All I just say is just show and produce, and as long as you continue doing what you need to do, you know, um, Eli keeps feeding him the ball, and they doing works with the Giants. I, there's no problems with it. Yeah, the bigger question is how long, how many more years does Eli have in him throwing, throwing a rock? I think he's, what, 36, 37 now? Yep, that is correct. He's in that yeah. age. Yeah, so he probably has a good – depending if they can keep him upright. You know, he might have a good solid two years, two, three years left. I'm hoping that the Giants go out there and get the QB and they're grooming somebody to be his backup because at that time, Odell probably still be at the the peak of his prime uh, as far as wide receivers are concerned. Antonio Brown is still putting up outstanding numbers at the age of 30. So, 
you know, the way these guys work out, you know, they he could uh, OBJ could be a dynamic receiver at least till about 32, 33, uh, possibly, as long as long as he doesn't have any substantial injuries. Um, it's a good look for the Giants. Uh, hopefully, it was cap friendly, you know, just so that they didn't handicap themselves from signing some other top priority dudes that may come down the pike. Unfortunately, I'm not a Giants fan, and since he is out making a drizzle somewhere, he can't. You can't chime in on the uh, on the, the finances of how things may go for the Giants and who might be their big big guys that they're big name guys that they're trying to keep moving forward. But I'm sure it, his contract didn't affect the cap too much. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But as far as top receivers go, um, I don't see so many receivers that will command the type of respect and pay that OBJ, Brandon Cooks, Julio Jones. Uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown. I don't know if Juju Smith-Schuster uh, keeps it up the next uh, two years. He might be that next dude just because, you know, for whatever reason, Steelers just know how to draft wide receivers. Boy, boy they draft them, and they draft them well. And well, they, you also have to give credit where credit is due to, ben, to Big Ben, too, for playing, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, he never gets the credit that he truly deserves at his age. You know, but as far as the Steelers putting the weapons around him that, you know, to keep them relevant, I give the Steelers all the credit in the world because it's, there's not too many teams that can go out there and draft the way that they do, at least for, for wide receivers. And talent as far as running backs, tight ends, they know how to draft them. Like, they, wow. You know, Steelers typically could get linebackers and they can get wide receivers and skill position guys. Um so it's again, you know, uh, the bar has been set, but it's just a handful of receivers out there that's going to be able to take advantage of such a lucrative contract. So I don't see too many, too many contracts that might. Top. I mean, of course, there will be a contract that tops it because there's always that one contract that goes over the next. Um, so it, it, you know, moving on to Aaron Rodgers, you know, he just signed that lucrative yeah. contract that he just signed is the. The richest contract for a QB, but then who's coming up next? Uh, I forget who's. I guess Jameis would be, but he's not. He's not doing too well, so I don't think he's going to get the the contract that he thinks he might be that he's worth, unless he really puts up uh, this season after suspension. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be some quarterback out there that's going to sit there and break the bank, you know, because. It is what it is. Well, let me ask you a question, though, because um, one person, one quarterback that comes to mind when I keep thinking of all these quarterbacks that getting big salaries is Kirk Cousins. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So, um, with the pay that he got, and, you know, we all know where he is compared to, like, an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, um, what do you think? And that's what I'm saying about the ceiling is, because every now and then there's going to be somebody – that's going to get a salary where it may make you want to quote unquote question whether or not that quarter, that person deserves it. Um, I think the question is going to be, where does that, is there a line um, where they get to a point where does this quarterback really deserves the, the, the salary, the pay? Well, the one thing I can say about the NFL, you know, their contracts aren't guaranteed. That's why the, the guaranteed signing, the guaranteed monies are so high. But, you know, you could, you could be great today and you can hot shit tomorrow and you could be cut and you won't see a dime. And I guess that's why they always fight for that guaranteed money. Um, so even like when Kaepernick signed that $100 million co- uh, contract, you see how easy it was for the 49ers just to get from out of it. Like, yeah, it sounded good as far as numbers are concerned, but truly was a 13 or $14 million contract, <laughs> you know, laden with incentives and, if this happens and that happens, then it could be worth a hundred million dollars. But it's obvious, you know, just that just wasn't the case. So, yeah, I think football teams for quarterbacks will sit there and throw out throw out crazy, ridiculous amounts of money for the quarterbacks. But it'll be essentially it could be a five year, a hundred and thirty, you know, a hundred and two million dollars with forty million, fifty million guaranteed. You know, but 
in layman's terms, it could really be a two-year, $36 million contract. <laughs> and if you manage to stay all these extra years, you'll get those guaranteed monies, blah, 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 blah. And then it looks like they pay bargain basement pricing for a QB. Now, speaking on Kirk Cousins, he's smart. He's still young. I think he's only like 27, 28. Mm-hmm. He, he took a three-year contract, all guaranteed. You know, as long as he plays like Kirk Cousins and and continues to, to play well, he'll parlay that into another two, three-year contract. I don't ever think he's going to sit there and sign a five, six-year deal worth a hundred and something dollars, X amount of dollars. I think he, he would rather just say, I want my another three-year, $90 million contract, guaranteed. As a matter of fact, did you see the article where he walked away from more money with the Jets and ended up signing with Minnesota? And I, I, heard, I was reading some comments where folks were saying that basically, you know, when it came down to taxes and all that stuff, the uh, – the contract seemed to, you know, work out better in Minnesota because I think it was, it was I think the Jets went three years, ninety million versus Minnesota went three years, eighty six. It was two million. It was three years, eighty four million. I think the Jets went three years, ninety, and it was this a difference of two million dollars a year. So he's making twenty eight million from uh, from from the Vikings versus thirty, and. It's just crazy to think that the Jets put up that type of money uh, to invest in Kirk Cousins. Now, it would have definitely shifted the way the draft would have fell. They still might have drafted a quarterback, you know, considering it was just a three-year deal. But I don't know. I, I, unless the quarterback has to be a really, really dynamic quarterback, say like a Cousins who averages about 4,000 yards passing, but, I mean, he didn't do anything that was so dynamic and so breathtaking that it's like, okay, so he threw for 4,000 yards, but he didn't do anything special. Um, I think it will be a total bust if he goes to Minnesota and they play, like, a mediocre squad for the next three years. Like, I don't think he'll command that type of money as far as guaranteed contracts. I mean, he still might get a guarantee, but he might only get, like, a two-year $26, 30000000 dollars contract just because, like, nah, dude, you didn't live up to the hype of that $30 million or $28 million a year contract that you signed, so we're not going to pay you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And to be honest, that's why I brought up Kirk Cousins because, like, he's such an anomaly with, with as far as the quarterbacks is concerned. Because, like you said, any other quarterback would have probably took that deal. But I think he, the fact that he factored in with the taxes and everything, you know, he's trying to put the ownership on himself. And <laughs> It makes it so different. I mean, it makes it different from what the other quarterbacks would do, um, because he has to prove every day at this point that he is that type of quarterback that he should be paid like how he performs. So it's very interesting with him. Um, that's why I said about with contracts in general. Uh, the fact that the matter is is that you know it's so different from like other sports because. It's all about the guaranteed money more so than the actual incentives. So I think that's how majority of the players now are are starting to go, where they're just considering about the actual contract itself and not so much of the incentive section part of it and what is guaranteed for them. Yeah, I mean, NFL contracts definitely, definitely is not – MLB contracts, where MLB, yeah, you know, the, the 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 talk of the town right now is Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Are they worth the three hundred, four hundred, damn near half a billion dollar contracts that they're talking about trying to throw at them? As far as you know, the next ten year deal, and what team is going to sit there and spend fifty million dollars a year for a baseball player? You know, and especially in guaranteed monies. So it's crazy. It's crazy to think that, you know, a player could command that much money, but it, it's damn sure possible. Damn sure possible. But it'll never happen in the NFL because the owners are just too too stingy. They, they, they're they not willing to, to shut out the money uh, I, to pay I, the players. I, I don't know. The way NFL is 
I guess it makes, yeah, because if the owners were a lot more open, then it would be a lot more interesting as far as the increase the salary is for the player. So I get what you're saying. I, I, to be honest, I understand that. It, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, there's so much that could be done if the owners weren't like that. Um, so much potential in as far as salaries, not just salaries, but incentives and, and other things as, like marketing-wise, how it could be definitely be brought out. Um, but, you know, it is the NFL at this stage. So how they do it is different from – and how, like, they're different from Major League Baseball, which is different from the M- NBA as a whole. So everybody does things differently. And, you know, it is what it is when it comes to salaries. Now, I, I heard something interesting on the um, on the radio this morning, driving in on the sports radio station out here in Baltimore. And they, were talk, they, they played a clip of Jerry Jones and a potential idea where he thinks that if the NFL as a whole cuts down, in, in, uh, I think he says, cut down on the preseason games by making it two preseason, two preseason games and then increase the regular season to 18 games, he feels as though injuries would be less because he finds that more injuries happen during the preseason. And he says his studies show. Now I'm thinking he might be referring to maybe the Cowboys and their history when players get hurt during the preseason versus the regular season. But he feels as though by cutting the preseason short by two games, increasing the regular season by two games, um, he thinks it would be better as far as limiting injuries. Now, personally, I think he's trying to lace his pockets more because he knows regular season games generate more in- generate more earnings than whatever a preseason game can ever offer because nobody really takes the preseason serious. Um, the guys at the radio morning show were like, you know, nah, I think Jerry Jones is full of crap because, you know, this is all about money. But they're saying if you're willing to pay players more, and then you're also willing to increase the overall roster from 53 to maybe 61 or 63 players, then this may be something to consider. Because if you're adding more games, then you need more bodies in order to facilitate the possible injuries that might occur uh, during a longer season. What is your take on that? In a nutshell, I completely agree with what they're saying about Jerry Jones and lacing his pockets. Um, to be honest, all jokes aside, I don't even trust what Jerry Jones says. <laughs> um, at this stage, it's like I think Jerry Jones is pretty much putting this idea out there to make up for any lost revenue he gets from whatever happened to him opening up his mouth these past couple of seasons in regards to other things and other things non-related to NFL. Um, but I'm not going to get too much into that. I think it's just basically the balance out of what he is losing. He's trying to regain and recoup. So in nutshell, it's an idea to help benefit him, not yeah. to benefit the NFL. So that's the idea that only Jerry Jones would generate because it's all about Jerry Jones with Jerry Jones. <laughs> very, 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 very interesting uh, spin on that. They did not even touch the whole – where we don't want to go. Exactly. One of the concerns to Jerry Jones. Um, but they did say it was a cash grab, you know, because it's already a billion-dollar industry. Um, and you put in two extra games, that's two more, you know, that's more money for TV revenue, marketing, sales, uh, advertising, the whole nine yards. And, you know, I think, I think what's crazy that might have some sort of, cross-type parallel to this. And it kind of crosses with your, your line of thinking. If you remember when uh, Jamel Hill had her Twitter Twitter stuff, when not the first time when she talked about uh, uh, Trump and how she felt and what he was, it was the second time when people were talking about, you know, Jerry Jones' action towards the players, uh, the way they decide how they want to protest, whatever. And Jamel Hill was talking about, you don't hurt Jerry Jones by not going to the game. You hurt Jerry Jones by marketing. You hurt Jerry Jones by hitting them in other places where he's losing money. And it 
could quite possibly be that situation where a lot of people were, you know, they were bashing Jamel Hill on Twitter and social media about what she was saying about that. But I'm thinking maybe it's possible that some people took her, her comments to heart and really started to like, you know what? If Jerry Jones and the Cowboys is affiliated with this, I ain't worried about this no more. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to patronize this or I'm not going to patronize that. Or maybe I'm not going to buy as much merchandise as I might've in the past or whatever. And I, you're right. I truly think that he's feeling it outside of just the, the lines of the football field, you know, where he's losing money. Because he's going to sell out the Cowboys stadium. He's going to sell that out. But I think he, you're right. He is feeling the pinch from other areas where he's not getting paid. And whatever, what better way to get recoup some of that money is to recoup it into wherever your strongest point is. So, he, like you said, the fans are still going to go to the games regardless. That's not going to change. Neither should it change. I mean, you're still an NFL. You're still going to support the players. doesn't matter if you support, you know, you may not agree with the owner, but there's some people who are still going to support the players and just love the game of football. Right. So that's not going to change no matter what. But the thing about it is that he's like, well, what's the best way for me to recoup that instead of in the best way to do it is just to increase the number of games or propose an idea to increase the number of games which in turn, the fans still going to go and purchase and, you know, purchase the merchandise and the tickets and the whole shebang and recoup that lost money. And it's the idea that, you know, I can't blame him for pitching out there because he is a businessman. But the bigger question would be, I'm sure his proposal is just based off of 51-man 50 man roster, nothing changing other than two games, and he can see his revenue profits increase. But if you're talking about adding – seven to ten more players and that's cutting into the bottom line you know is he willing to take that into consideration now granted those seven to ten players probably aren't going to be those that five or ten percent that command the majority of his salary from the team but it's still it's still you know nine hundred thousand dollar contract it's still a million or two million dollar contract it's still some sort of yearly contract that's going to eat at his bottom line and I'm sure when he said all this, he wasn't thinking about expanding rosters. And I'm, you know, and as that his snippet and is being debated across the country, I'm sure it was debated like it was in Baltimore, New York, LA, all different places. That I'm sure they're all going to come up with the same thing. Like, sure, if you want to increase the amount of regular season games, you know, you got to get more players out there because I don't think increasing the, the regular season game is going to limit how many people get hurt. But the, I don't think the onus is going to be the ones that propose that idea. I think it's going to be more so like the players' union um, to do something like that. And it would be, to be honest, it would have to be up to towards the players' union to do something and agree to that. Because if they don't, and the owners agree to increasing the regular season games, you know, we go back to that same thing. Like, if you're not going to defend for yourself and your well-being, then what does that say about the players? So, you know, it's an idea that benefits the owners. Um, I just would like to see if the players or the player union, how they feel about something like that or what do they think as far as that concern. Because to be honest, like you said, if they bring up, like, hey, we'll do this if you increase the roster size, you know, and increase it, you know, so that everybody's getting paid, like, more money, where it's recouping towards that, then I don't think the NFL players would mind it. I think they would probably would agree to something like that. Yeah, because, I mean, it just, yeah, you know, from the players' union standpoint, it's seven to ten more players that have a, a job for the one year. Exactly. That, you know, wouldn't necessarily, wouldn't have to play Canadian Football League or Arena or overseas. I didn't realize that overseas football is much bigger than, than what I gave the credit for. Didn't realize it was a thing. <laughs> it's growing. It's definitely yeah. growing. Yeah, I had no idea that, you know, it's really becoming global. Well, the thing is that all the sports right now is becoming global. Now, it's just not in America. You see how it is, like, with basketball. Like, there's so many people playing overseas in China, um, in, in Japan, in, in Israel. There's so many different leagues out there out there that are starting to, to, to incre increase in profits <laughs> so that – with NBA, former NBA stars going overseas to play, they become celebrities out there. Like, right. to the, you know, um, same thing with the NFL. Like, with football, 
and I'm saying like not football as in soccer, but the actual American football. As that increases overseas, you're going to start to see more and more former, um, in a, you know, NFL players or players that still like in those day camp. You know, like what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, not actual on the, the practice squad players. Oh, the, the G League. Or yeah, the practice uh, squad. Like they will start to consider playing overseas. And to be honest, it's interesting that you bring that up because. I'm wondering how come the NFL doesn't have that type of like system where they can like a G League system or like a minor football league where those players on a practice squad can really get some run time and actually get paid to do play some type of game. May not be as much as the NFL players, but it would definitely help them as far as grow and growing, you know, playing football on a regular basis and not just being on a practice squad all the time. It's called college football, man. <laughs> because but they don't get paid, though. Well, see, well, yeah, you're right. But the thing is, it's, it's called college football for one because if a kid was really that good in playing football, they would allow him to come out of high school and play football. But because the sport is so so fast, so violent, um, and it's so much bigger and stronger than somebody who's 17, 18 coming out of high school, that's the only sport that won't allow a player to come in straight out of high school. So, I mean, in football, you have to be three years removed from high school or at least 20 years old to be eligible for the draft. And, I mean. But, I, I, no, I get that aspect I mean, of it. I'm talking about the ones that don't make it into, you know, for whatever reason, um, they don't make the NFL draft. You know, what do they do next? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they come in, they get signed, maybe get looked out and try out on different teams and they don't make it. What is next for them? That's what I'm saying. Then they try to catch on in the Canadian Football League. But that's my point. My point right. is that why not bring that Canadian Football League? And if I'm the NFL, why not generate a minor league where you can use that system to kind of replace the, the Canadian Football League? and use that to help generate and grow those that didn't really make it or wasn't getting looked at to get the proper training so that down the road, maybe a couple of years from now, they will actually make the NFL team. I feel you. I feel you. Um, it could make sense. You know, it's like the, the Giants affiliate in, in Westfield, New Jersey, or Jets yeah. affiliate somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel you. I mean, you would still need about 50, 60 solid players, but then the whole thing about it is those 50 or 60 players per team. So let's say they keep it at 53, keep okay. it uniform for this minor league thing. Mm -hmm. Those 53 times 32 are those same whatever players they would be that just wasn't good enough to make it to the NFL roster. So are you trying to say that, in, in a, just to say, for, for shits and giggles, uh, o, o, ODB, OBJ, signs that big contract, but then he gets hurt. They can then pluck somebody, their best wide receiver from their affiliate team, to come up instead of having a Packers squad, just have a whole another AAA or however they want to call it type of squad that goes out there and plays football. To come in and take that, take his place until he comes back from injury. Don't they kind of do that now when they pull pluck somebody from the practice squad or, and put them on to the actual NFL team? So yeah, why right. not just have that practice squad go and challenge another team's practice squad? You know, get the reps, get the actual experience going, so that down the road, you know, they can have that experience to be brought up and doesn't miss out or have to re-go through a lot of training or a lot of practice to get to where they need to be. They just know the system. They know the plays. They already know some of the stuff that they're doing and just be able to come in and immediately contribute instead of just sitting and just, just being another body. That's what I'm saying. I feel you. I, I definitely feel you. Um, I can see a lot of lifers being in that <laughs> that that uh, minor league system because, to me, if they if they were good enough to make a squad, uh, they would have made a squad. I guess that's why they say the shelf life for NFL players typically three years um, because if you're lucky to make it past three years, then you've done something. Um, 
I guess is right now is like the only sport that's truly elite. But then, how much, how much could you really? I, I from my understanding, from those that I know that I went to school with and played on NFL squads, uh, practice squads, they said they averaged about sixty to seventy thousand dollars a season um, to be on a practice squad. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pay them sixty to seventy thousand, how much would you have to pay them to? play uh, a modified season of maybe 12 games or however many games that they would have. And keep it the same. So they playing, they still getting paid 60 or 70,000. I mean, they, yeah, because let's be honest, they're still getting paid the same amount, but they're still on the practice squad. So they're practicing against each other. Like mm-hmm. what I'm saying is why not just bring that out to other practice, other practice squads. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, why not get the experience to practice with other teams who are doing different plays than what you're running to see how you perform against that practice squad? That's what I'm coming from. And still get viewership. You know, it doesn't have to be, like, a big thing to be on TV or anything like that. Just keep it like a minor game where it's minor people taking a look and seeing how well you perform and see whether or not you're going to be able to make it to the next level or you're going to stay where you are. Right. I feel you. I'm just wondering how come nobody really has thought of, you know, really thought of something like that yet. Or maybe they have and, you know, they're keeping it on the wraps. I think they have. I think, you know, keeping the, the medical scenario out of, out of the equation as far as, like, say, concussions or whatever. Um, I think that the NFL is just cheap. <laughs> you know, I think they're just cheap just because <laughs> – you know, it's bad enough that they got us. They had the seven practice squad guys, and let them. You know, they might pay them sixty or seventy thousand. So that's let's just round it up to a nice neat number. Well, sixty thousand. It's forty-two. So that's four hundred. To say it's like half a million dollars, they got to shell out for for practice squad. Guys. Okay. You know, now you're multiplying that times ten. So now it went from a half million to now you're talking about three to five million that they got to shell out an additional income to players and offer medical. I mean, they're offering a medical now as practice squad, but you know, they got to get medicals. And then if, you know, I don't know, then you got to talk about additional monies for coaching, coaching staffs and you got to pay more money for facilities. I, they can't practice. I mean, they can't let them play on, on high school facilities. You can't let them play on college facilities because college teams are using their facilities during that time. So they'll have to they'll have to build a separate facility for them to play their games on. Um, because I, I just think the bottom line is the NFL is cheap. They make all this money, but the owners would much rather keep it to themselves as opposed to, to give some sort of breath of fresh air, like you're saying, and give opportunity for more players to, to, to develop. And maybe at this point, you could even make it so that if players feel as though they're really that good, they don't even need to go to college. They can bypass and go straight to the uh, straight to the league, straight to that you know thing that they got going on. Yeah, I guess what it, it I guess it's gonna be. It's interesting. I, I that's why I said I just I just put it as something as it's, it's just interesting to see because I'm wondering why no one really has thought of that. As, as far as that's concerned, so um, I, I'm, I'm, I would love to see how it, what the NFL can do to make strides in doing other things outside of just always thinking about the owners all the time. Um, because let's be honest, these past couple of years they really haven't done anything for me to say. Or at least they're looking out for the players. Um, it looks like it's more so all about the money aspect of it and what how much the owners can retain. Right. Right. Well, I mean, sounds good in theory, but again, I'm sticking by my whole day cheap. <laughs> you know, shoot. Because it, it doesn't take much, even though the G League or the Developmental League or whatever the hell the NBA calls it, they don't pay, but man, they pay nothing. They pay like 12 grand. I mean, hell, WNBA players make more money than these jokers do. 
That is true. And they don't pay them nothing. <laughs> that I mean, true. some of the top stars making like maybe make a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. But and that's also in off of incentives and stuff like that. Right, right. But again, it's still no real money for a professional athlete. They can make more money overseas. Um, but it's it's just crazy, you know. Baseball, they don't make no money either. I mean, they, you're understanding that if you're willing to put yourself through this, that you're trying to you're trying to earn your way or you know, grind your way to make that cake ultimately. And even if you grind it and make it to the big league, there's still no guarantee you're going to sign that lucrative million-dollar contract. That is true. You know, so crazy, crazy, crazy. Ah, man. Wow, we really dug dug into this whole football thing, huh? Sure enough did. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't kind of, expecting that, but. Right, this kind of morphed into something. <laughs> really, this kind of morphed. Switching gears quickly. Um. LeBron, we now know he's L.A. Bron now. <laughs> he's, he's put down his roots. He's living out in Brentwood somewhere, living fabulous, and he's dropping a lot of TV series and documentaries and different things on HBO, Netflix, um, which we, we determined that this was strictly a beyond basketball type of career move that he did. I think he recognized that he cemented his legacy as to what he is and who he's going to be and that he moved forward with the Lakers to position himself for the next phase of his life. Um, Now, if he tends to win a championship with the Lakers, then that's just icing on the cake. Um, But I don't think he went there with those intentions. But you were saying something about his new show called The Barbershop. Uh, what do you? Ha- how do you feel about that? Well, um, first off, The Barbershop is basically LeBron James. I sh- let me change that. La Bron James, because he's in LA. I think that's what everybody should be calling him. Um, La Bron James. He basically um, opened up an HBO series, documentary series called The Barbershop, where him and his friends and peers um, come together basically talk about everything out, everything outside of basketball, like, you know, politics, uh, mm-hmm. social media, stuff like that. Um, very in-depth series, um, no filter, <laughs> so to speak. Right. So it's basically, you know, them just talking. And I'm going to be honest with you, this is something that we kind of figured that was going to happen um, because, you know, the whole thing of him going back and forth with Urban Mind – Meyer, I think it was. No, Nick Saban in regards to the barbershop series. Uh, so kind of figured that this was going to happen. Um, me personally, I think, like we said before, it's not really about basketball it's for him at this stage. More so the fact that um, just trying to get himself out there to do things that um, other NBA players couldn't do. Um, we see him being more open in regards to politics is concerned. Um, so Figured that this was going to, you know, come out. Um, me personally, I don't have a problem with it. You know, I think it's it's a good – it's good. Um, not just for, you know, people just to see there's an other side of basketball um, than just, you know, you could actually see conversations of actual pro athletes talking about different kinds of things outside of their particular sports. So it's very – it's very enlightening. Um, for those who are fans of the pro athletes who doesn't know much about them or how they feel about what or what they're thinking. I think it opens that aspect of it. So. Hold up. So is this the show where it's shut up and just dribble? I thought that he had a show coming out as well based off that chick from, I guess it was Fox News, who he's beefing with. Hey, and he par- yeah, yeah he, he parlayed that joint into a... <laughs> That's basically what the bottom line is. Uh, he's just responding to those who criticize him about him speaking mm-hmm. in politics and all that stuff. But he figures, why not just open the door and bring in everybody, you know, his peers, his friends, and, you know, just hold that whole dialogue about just talking in general where it doesn't have to involve basketball. It involves politics, social media, you know, um, so much stuff that's going on outside of basketball. So I think that's what started the documentary series. <laughs> I know that chick must be like really kicking herself right now 
Because not only did she say what she said, and LeBron was like, okay. He now parlayed that into millions. Well, it's not just her, but it was also like Donald Trump responding to him on Twitter. So, you know, you got so much going on. And basically, he's just like, yo, I'm just going to speak my piece and talk back, you know, respond to these critics. So, Uh you know, and why not do that and make money off of it? That's why he's in L.A. to begin with, to to, to basically um, showcase his brand outside of basketball. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, If there was ever... If there was ever somebody who took his boys that he grew up with and formed a conglomerate of, of sorts and has created a, uh, an empire such, such as his and is such a diverse set of uh, choices that he's made as far as marketing and different things, I mean, you got to give him kudos. I think he's setting the stage for what future NBA stars or, you know, for those stars who might get as big or try to get as big as LeBron as to how they're going to go about trying to market themselves and position themselves to be financially stable for life beyond NBA. Because we all know 80% of all athletes are broke less than five years after they come out of the league. I I can't understand it. You know, I – I mean, I understand all of us are not, you know, we're not always great with money, but damn. You're going to sit there and tell me that if I earned $150 million or $300 or $200 million for playing basketball for 10, 12 years, and I'm broke by the age of 40, <laughs> something's, something's totally wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm happy that somebody, somebody felt compelled enough and loved Iverson enough to stash the 51 million or the 60 million that he had in some sort of trust that he was unable to touch. You know, that's a true friend. I remember reading that article, you know, and Iverson is going to, is going to be in a better place because of that. But it just goes to show that, you know, he had somebody who cared about him enough to sit there and say, man, you live way too, too fast and too loose with this money. And we don't want to see you broke. And it's just a shame when you sit there and see all these former athletes that are just, penniless because <laughs> they spent money on all the wrong things. And then you got a joker like LeBron who's just out here making money over money. Like he, he's now, he's now created generational wealth, <laughs> you know, regardless of if his sons ever make it to the NBA, as long as they continue to just live a decent lifestyle, man, bronze juniors, kids, kids will have money. <laughs> Well, that's and to be honest, is one of the reasons why I like again. It's all about that move to LA because not only does it helps him from that aspect. Again, um, he gets a sound business mind with Magic Johnson and see how he turned out to do after basketball um, and the businesses that he made. You know, it's just that type of LeBron doesn't think about basketball in general. He thinks outside of basketball, right? And unfortunately not too many players think outside of that box and it's unfortunate because had they done that then you would see them in a better business than where they are right now Mm -hmm. but they're so focused on living the lifestyle that they have now instead of planning for the future it becomes a problem right right they just out there just you know living that lifestyle and from my understanding you know they only get paid during the season that's right you know, you got to be able to manage that money six months out of the year. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. You know, it is, it's, it's crazy when you sit there and you see NFL players, maybe not the ones who sign look at the contract, but you got those ones who, who may make 2 or $3 million a year, and you find that during the offseason they, they got to hold down jobs <laughs> because they don't have any money coming in. I'm like, that's because you went out there and bought a $6 million house and you're only earning $3 million. Like, who does that? <laughs> Unfortunately, there's people out there that do that. So. I, I read another article. Now, we all know Kirk Cousins signed this $86 million, $84 million contract. Mm-hmm. This joker was living in his, 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 his in-law's basement in Atlanta. <laughs> this man is – it's not like he ain't just got two – 
twenty plus million dollar contracts two years in a row from Washington. So it's not like he's starved for money. <laughs> but yet, this Joker with his wife and kid put some money into his in laws' basement to help renovate the basement so they can live in the basement. They give them their own space. Man, you talking about you talking about a dude that is gonna have money because he's not spending money. So, sort of like Marshawn Lynch. And I heard he hasn't touched the NFL check yet. <laughs> he's just living off of all his marketing and off of all the endorsements. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, some again, some people think that way. Not right. everybody, but some people think that way. They like knowing that, hey, I don't need all this to live, be, you know, I just need enough to live beyond my mean, you know, live comfortably. Right. And so many people, when they get that money, that's the first thing they think about, you know. And, you know, you, everybody's not the same. That's the bottom line. Everybody's not the same. Um, even if you go to, like, even if the people, players go to, like, marketing, not marketing, but um, financial 101 uh, to save money, they're not, it's not, not everybody's going to actually listen to those ideas. They're still going to do what they need to do, do what they want to do, so. Which is crazy because, like, dude, like, I understand that I'm a millionaire and I understand I'm a great player, but do I really need a 6,000 square foot crib if it's just me, my wife, maybe, <laughs> a dog? <laughs> man, sometimes I, sometimes I look at it, I'm like, man, I got 2,300 square feet and it's just me and my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's too much. No, but you got to also understand that, you know, we're of age now. Like back in the day, if we had the money, you we really probably would have went the opposite way. So everybody thinks as as we do. And especially those coming out of college, you know, they've been through the Roman noodle, Roman the noodles and, you know, living with a roommate for the past four, three to four years. And, you know, not having enough to get, you know, food to eat. So when they get that check, the first thing they like is, yo, I'm stocking. Like, I'm doing everything. Like, you know. So not everybody is like that nowadays. Right, right, right. Well, this goes to show whose priorities and, you know, who has their priorities in order and who's just living for the day. Exactly. Yeah, so kudos, LeBron. Hmm. You know, I loved you as a player. I, you know, I... Don't always understand. Excuse me. Don't always understand your your choices of picking teams, but I'm sure you had a reason why you did what you did. Well, step away. <laughs> I, I, think, I say I I respect you as I I respect you and like you as a businessman. Not a fan of you as a player. Um, not because of you know not what because of how you play, but it's just the fact that you was beating teams all the time and making it to the final seven straight years. I'm not. Uh, not a fan of that. I like to see different teams make it there. So I'm very excited about this upcoming NBA season because now we know for a fact that LeBron James is not going to represent the Eastern Conference. But I digress. And he's not going to represent the West either. So. That's not, first of all, to be honest, that's not what Stephen A. said. Stephen A. picked um, L.A. to make it to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, represent the Western Conference. Stephen A. Stephen A. full of crap. All right, I just want to put that out there. Just want to put that out there. Is he really trying to tell me that on paper the Lakers are better than the Warriors? Is that what he's really trying to say? No, I think he's saying that LeBron is better than the Warriors. I don't know how, but... He's he's sipping that Kool-Aid, man. It's the cast of characters that's with LeBron. We, you know. Okay. that's not going to happen after just one year. No. Especially when they all sign one-year contracts. So right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not just going to happen. But that's Stephen A for you. I'm not going to, you know, if he picked them, kudos to him too. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, like to, I, like to, I like to know what he's sipping on because uh, I, I don't see it. I don't, personally, I don't even see L.A. being more than a – maybe, maybe a five seed. Maybe. I'm trying to think of the other team outside of the U. Golden State. You gotta give. You gotta give Golden State. You gotta give uh, Denver. Not Denver. Um, Utah. You gotta give uh, Houston. Um, Portland. 
So you put Utah ahead of the Lakers. For Donovan Mitchell? Bound uh, shot. Oh, yeah, why not? Okay, because hmm. I, I think they have a better supporting, supporting cast than, uh, than LeBron. Hmm. I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is LeBron, but I'm saying I think Donovan Mitchell just really started to scratch the surface last year, and he was a rookie. I think he's going to get better. And Utah did everything to keep themselves relevant and to make their squad better. Mm. Granted, I understand what L.A. brought in, but, yeah, I still – I don't think they – I think L.A. is a five seed. That's – I, I tell. I, 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 that's how I feel. That's an interesting I, – I, I'm not – I'm going to reserve judgment until I actually see the Lakers play before I make my decision um, as far as that is concerned. Um, but we could digress because we could talk about the NBA when the season comes up. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, so, you know, hey, that's just me not really looking at uh, paper. <laughs> <laughs> me not giving the Lakers props because I just don't think they're going to do Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Wow. We went from, yeah, this is probably pretty short because, you know, just Odell signed his contract. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. We we really spun into something something crazy. But, you know, that's what we do. You know, we we try to come in with some sort of agenda. We may have a topic or two that we might discuss. But then six or seven topics, this kind of comes out of nowhere. And the next thing you know, we are here for an hour and a half because we're just ch- chopping at the bit. So I'm going to have to cut it short because I don't have an hour and a half to give tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think none of us do at this point. <laughs> but, sir, where can folks find you? Uh, of course, you can find me at on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Again, Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And once again, we'd like to thank you guys out there for joining in and listening once again. Feel free to comments, leave concerns, leave questions, whatever that you feel is necessary to help us provide you with our best content that we could possibly provide. We are truly greatly appreciate it. So until next week, I'd like to wish everybody a wonderful and safe, happy Labor Day weekend. I know everybody's going to be sparking up the grills. Save a brat for me. I will make sure to hit everybody's spot for a brat. I don't care how long it takes, even if it means Christmas time. I just have a present and a brat. But anyway, have a safe, wonderful holiday weekend. We'll be right back at you talking some college football because I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about with the opening weekend and everything that's popping off. So until then, this is Guys Talking Sports. Peace. God bless. Have a good one. <laughs>